you're tuned in to the Manjeet Minhas podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Manjeet Minhas. And today we're going to talk with Aarti Sharma. She is with Shopify and she has definitely seen a journey, not only with the company, but professionally and personally. And she's going to talk to us today about how companies like Shopify have made it easier than ever to start a business online and all the tools that they have created to help us do that in this time today. And she's going to talk to us about the sort of trends we're seeing when it comes to shopping online. Hi, Arthi. Thanks for being here with us today. Um, so let's get right into it. Tell me a little bit about you and uh, your background and what has led you to Shopify. Well, thank you so much for having me, Manjeet. Uh, it's exciting to be on this podcast to talk to uh, a woman who's in business and definitely a powerhouse in Canada. Um, and thank you for having Shopify because I think that we have so much to talk about in terms of the Canadian landscape. So a little bit about me, uh, I've been at Shopify for seven years now, uh, and so definitely joined this rocket ship when we were a, a much smaller company, just trying to get people to understand e-commerce. Uh, and seven years later, I've seen the trajectory of not just our industry, but our company really develop and grow. Uh, and so personally, I started off as uh, just trying to build community and an audience uh, in the Canadian landscape. and. Uh, very quickly took on our global community presence. Uh, and now I have uh, taken over our product marketing portfolio. So I work really closely with our product and R&D teams uh, to take our products to market in a, in a more unique uh, way because we are putting a very technology-heavy product in the hands of small business owners and trying to demystify what e-commerce means. So that's, that's currently what I do at Shopify. Well, that's pretty exciting. I can't imagine the difference that you've seen in seven years. Like in the world of tech, um, from what a little I know about it, because I'm definitely not tech savvy, but in, in the world of technology, a year is a long time. I can't imagine what seven years has looked like. Let's let's talk about just the online landscape first before we get into business talk. So these days, while we've all been, you know, isolating and quarantining and whatever else you want to call it, but basically being at home a lot, uh, what has your guilty pleasure been when it comes to online shopping? Oh, so many, Angie, so many. <laughs> if my husband sees one more box, it's like, it's not good. Um, so two guilty pleasures. One is I became a plant lady during during uh, COVID. And I know it was very big on Instagram, but I was also on mat leave. Like I just came back to work a month ago. Oh, congratulations. Uh, and so I like, thank you. Yeah, I channeled my inner like motherhood to finally take care of plants. And I discovered all of these e-commerce stores in Canada that were selling plants. And so boxes would arrive with like live plants. Um, there's one called Shop Folly. They're out of Toronto. And uh, yeah, it, it's it's a bit of a jungle in this house. So that I was going to say, have most of them survived? They've all survived because we're home. We're, we're home, right? Like I've never been home this long where I could actually like take care of my plants. And I have so many in the office on this side because the, the light hits it the correct way. So that's been my guilty pleasure. And then I'm not sure if you're familiar with a brand called Majuri. Um, yes. They're a, a great jewelry brand, Canadian success story. And I have so many of their products. And I've been like getting into earrings because you're on video calls all day. 
So I'm a bit of a shoe girl. And so my shoes just sit in my closet. So now I'm trying to accessorize. I'm all about like earrings, headbands stay on my desk. So that's been the other guilty pleasure, which, you know, it's, it's kind of the opposite of plants. Um, but those two have been, it's, it's been bad. That's very practical. Very practical. Um, I would say I, definitely my little girls have gotten into the, the gardening because we are never home otherwise in the summer. So we've had tomato plants and vegetable plants and, you know, tons of different fruits. I can't say that they've all actually survived. The only thing left right now is the tomato plants. And my brother always jokes with me. So you spent six months to save $4.25 on tomatoes. I was like, ah, that's not the point. (laughs) Well, remember early on, everyone thought that they had to grow their own food all of a sudden. So we were all like trying to save our scallions and to your point, grow tomatoes. You know what? At least we gained some life skills. I agree. I agree. Um, Okay. So let's get right into it. Um, So what advice would you give someone who's looking to start an online store? Yeah, that's great. I think um, I've been getting that question a lot recently because, you know, it has been a challenging time for business owners and I think everyone overall. But I think that there's something to be said about starting a business in this time. Um, I think the constraints and the the new problems to be solved are just so unique. So if anything, I'm encouraging people to to think about starting a business. I think specifically when thinking about starting an online business, you know, we're in the days of audience comes first. Um, And that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, you don't need to think about building this huge brand or you don't need to be like a massive influencer to start an online store right now. But you do need to think about your community and where that audience is. If you are solving a problem for, let's say, let's take Nixwear, for example, they are selling um, undergarments for women uh, and they are targeting a very particular type of customer. So if you're thinking about solving a problem, you would start to think about where do those people live? How are they interacting with you online? What kind of communities are they engaging in? Um, and you know, are they on Instagram? Are they on Twitter? Uh, and really trying to understand who that audience is and, and where they live. So, Arthi, in your opinion, what separates a successful store from a failing store these days? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's really on the individual business owner to set what success looks like. I think, you know, we see in the media and on social media all of these like zero to 100 success stories. It feels like everyone has a D2C brand, everyone's going public now, everyone wants to be the Harry's. Um, but I think it depends on what success looks like. I think failure can teach you a lot as an entrepreneur, um, but you really have to set success goals for yourself. Uh, Specifically, especially in the online space, where I've seen people fail is either they aren't really building a brand and they aren't getting towards that audience that, you know, is eventually going to become a purchaser and in fact, a repeat purchaser. And the other thing that I've seen is a lot of brands these days seem to to take a lot of VC money from the get-go and then they have that pressure to scale. And, you know, if you're an online store, maybe you don't need that pressure to scale right away. Maybe you can take it a little slowly. Uh, And so I think that's just some of the things that I'm seeing that people are making mistakes on, not necessarily failing because success has to be driven by what your intentions are for your business. I completely agree with that. I I really do think that success in life has to be defined by you. It's not only how much money you make. Um, there's a lot of other pieces to that puzzle. And I think that it is an answer that is continually changing also. 
does Shopify help a, a startup um, that is just getting into that online world kind of get, get settled as to where they should be and what might look good or not good? Yeah, that, that's a great question because I think, you know, solving the problem of marketing is always really challenging. And I think that there's so many tools and platforms out there that can support, but a little of the, the way that Shopify supports you when you are just starting out. Um, so one, we make it really easy to get started. I think 10 years ago, starting an e-commerce business, you were spending a lot of your capital on the website. And now you don't need to do that. You know, you can use a theme, you can get your products up there. It's easier to take photos these days and make your brand look really good. I think, you know, where the hurdle comes in is how do you then get eyeballs onto this beautiful website that you've created? And sometimes I, I, I give the example of uh, opening up an e-commerce store almost feels like you're opening up a retail store on a street where no one walks by. Good analogy. Right? Yeah. And so I think that um, with Shopify, there's out-of-the-box things that we do from the get-go, like your SEO is kind of taken care of, the way that you add your products, there's the right product tagging. So at least there's support for you to be a little bit more familiar um, and you know reachable in search. Uh, Outside of that, I think, again, it goes back on like what your business strategy is and you really engaging with where you want to show up and how do you want to attract those customers. Um, there are so many different sales channels that you can use in the Shopify platform outside of just your e-commerce store. Uh, a good example of a sales channel is you can sell your products on your Instagram page directly. As a fellow shopper, I'm sure you've seen that where you can just... Yeah. Click on Very, handy. Very handy. Very <laughs> handy. And that's actually managed through the back end of your, of your Shopify store where you can now include your products in your Instagram feed. You can include them in your Facebook. Um, they can be searchable on different platforms. You can even put them on different marketplaces. And so the channels uh, approach is one way of thinking about reaching your customers being where they are. Um, outside of that, the way that I describe the Shopify platform, to be honest, is a lot of people are familiar with Shopify because of the website that you can have. But Shopify is a really powerful business management tool on the back end. And I, another analogy I use is Shopify is almost like an iPhone. Your iPhone is great, has an amazing camera. You know, you can do the basic functionality that you need to do, but the power of the iPhone is in all the apps. And those apps that like create these rich experiences for me, filtering my photos. And that's kind of Shopify, right? We have so many different apps and we have so many different companies that actually build apps specifically for Shopify merchants. So we have an app store, just like Apple has an app store, just like Google has the Play Store, where you can go in and buy business applications. So there are so many that can help you with your marketing right from the get-go. And I think that's where... Some of that powerful, you know, analytics and looking at your monthly, you know, recurring revenue and looking at your cart size, that's great. But until you have sales, there's no point in looking at our amazing dashboards. Uh, and so I kind of like to start off with, you know, make sure you're using the right tools, make sure you're setting up your Shopify store the right way so you can be found on Google. Think about leveraging social networks and then to be honest, searching and understanding the app store to figure out what kind of marketing tools you should use. So what sort of trends have you um, noticed in online shopping, both from a consumer perspective and from a seller? Yeah, that's great. Um, 
I, you know, it's so funny. It goes back into what are the needs of, of all of us who are staying at home and quarantining. We've seen a huge increase in the food and beverage industry. Um, definitely the fastest growing e-commerce category of this year. Um, I think we've seen an increase of 59% year over year, uh, which is just phenomenal, right? I mean, I think we've all been kind of waiting for grocery to become easier. Uh, and, you know, over COVID, the fact that I can get food delivered, I can have my local wine shop bring me wine. I was like, why are we doing this before? Right. Um, and, and so there's definitely that trend that we're seeing. And, and I think a lot of the smart uh, restaurants have pivoted to ensure that they can also support that grocery, food and beverage um, delivery um I think need that people have. And so we're seeing a trend in um, click and collect, obviously, if you want to just purchase, pick up on curbside, um, or if you actually want to deliver to your home. So definitely going to see an increase in food and beverage over the next year as well. Um, the other one is health and beauty. You know, everyone's at home uh, doing face masks, caring about their skin. Uh, I know I've been doing a number of hair masks. Uh, and so beauty has seen a huge increase as well as toys and hobby. Um, Great. I, We're all playing board games and trying to figure out how to spend time together as a family without strangling each other. So, exactly. And and kids yeah. and family, I think, is is definitely an interesting part because I, I do remember in the beginning when I, too, was trying to find a bunch of new board games, it was very hard to find them. <laughs> so never mind hard to find bikes and all of those outdoor activities. But the indoor stuff, I think, is something uh, that not many people before thought of, right? I yeah, and I and and so that's interesting. So there isn't a whole hell of a lot that isn't growing, I guess, right? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you know, we were chatting about my my background, and seven years ago at Shopify, I had to explain to my parents why I was working in a company called Shopify and what we did. <laughs> and now all their friends are starting Shopify stores, right? And so we've seen we've seen an increase over the last seven years, but this past year. It's almost been that 20-year growth that we thought would happen in online shopping habits and e-commerce happened within the last year. Uh, and so I think, you know, there's so much change, but there's actually like a really nice future of people embracing technology in the right way. I'm excited to see what small businesses are going to do with, uh, with Shopify. Right. I, I completely agree. And so where do you see the future of online shopping as in, who knows, the future, you know, could be a couple months or in a couple years. I think it's hard for us to speak in, in five to 10 years as we speak in, in general business talk these days, because uh, we're all really worried about the months ahead of the time, ahead of time. So talk to me about what you kind of see as trends going forward and how is Shopify planning um, to be at the forefront of that? Yeah. I, you know, I, I think if you asked me pre-pandemic, my answer actually is very similar where I do think the, the future of Shopify of Shopify and shopping uh, is so based on consumer demand and choice. I, I think people, especially after this pandemic, are really concerned about convenience and they want their products the way they want them, how they want them. And the challenging part about thinking about the future is you, we don't know what habits we're going to go back to. Right, uh, I'm chatting about grocery and how maybe I will always have grocery delivered to me. Uh, and so some of those trends that we saw in such a short pandemic time may actually be with us for a long time. 
Um, and so I, I think that's kind of the way that we're thinking about it is some things may never go back to normal, right? Uh, and some things, sure, we may want to go into retail locations. We may, may want to go into um, going and seeing products, right? Like buying a car, you're probably going to want to test drive it before you get it. Uh, but the option to then leave and think about it and then maybe purchase it online, I do think that is going to be the future and not the distant future that we used to talk about. And I have advice versa. Like I personally am one who definitely likes to touch, see and feel. And it's kind of my me time when I get out into the world. And I think many of us are missing that. Like I think, um, you know, there's a lot of great things that we see online, but sometimes we still want to see in real life because let's face it, a lot of us have been, or we hear horrible stories of people who are, have been taken by buying things online that either, you know, the credit card numbers were stolen, the product never arrives. Like a lot of, you know, horror stories people can talk about, right? But of course, for the majority, um, when you're dealing with reputable retailers and, and brands that you know, it, it's all good. But in a lot of cases, you still want to be able to go in. So do you guys see um, it also as great? I saw it online. I can go and pick it up in store. You talked about the vice versa, um, which is great too, because you know you can kind of have that second sober thought sometimes. But that impulsiveness or that delay is is there still and that impulsiveness is not there. Yeah, I do see the vice versa. And that's why, you know, we have a point of sale system that connects to your online store. And so I think, you know, pre-pandemic and now, I do think the future of shopping is omni-channel retail, where I may want to browse something on Instagram. I may want to look at the website, make sure it is a reputable brand. And then if they are available in my area, I do want to go look at it, right? Uh, and so I think that's where business owners really need to think about their strategy online, offline, everywhere in between. And you know, the power of Shopify allows you to manage all of your products, your business, your inventory, um, all of those it's a big deal inventory. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. exactly. And and especially with the holiday season coming up, inventory planning is really challenging for small businesses. But you can do that all in one place via Shopify. And then you can figure out if you want to start thinking about retail again or if you want to just purely have an e-commerce brand. And so I often, I often tell, especially people who are getting started out, I'm like, don't box yourself in. Really think about the omni-channel strategy. And your online channel may be the first channel. And it may be, maybe it's the only channel. But um, think a bit more holistically because it really depends on, again, your products if people want to see them. Um, I think the other thing that you hit on that I've been thinking a lot about personally as I look at the boxes of returns that I have to do is I think there's a really big opportunity here for merchants to think about building loyalty with their customers. Um, the ability to return things is so, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but logistically, it just hurts my brain thinking about like finding the shipping label, putting it back in the package. Maybe sometimes I've like missed the deadline or contacting UPS versus FedEx versus Canada Post. And so I think, you know, I, I'm sure there are some very smart people at Shopify who are thinking about shipping much better than I am. Uh, but I think that this is an opportunity for small business owners to think about their customer experience end to end. So let's say I'm not happy with a purchase. What is the easiest way that a merchant can get that product back or leverage it in the right way? And, you know, I'll go back to Nixware because I think Joanna's done a great job with this is if your bra doesn't fit you, 
their return policy is you can you just donate it or give it to a friend mm-hmm. um, and then you get that money back and so I, I think that's where I think that's where small businesses and businesses in general need to be a little bit more creative. I, I completely agree with you because interestingly enough on the den um, and other where otherwise when I'm listening to pitches and people tell me that they're an exclusively online brand or majority of their sales are done online. The first question I always have is, okay, what is your percentage of returns? Especially if you're in the clothing and or the fitting, like where something needs to fit in a variety of different ways. Because a lot of people, especially women, will buy three sizes because we don't know what size we are, right? Um, and and so then we have to return a lot of them. So, you know, that is definitely costly and can really cause a lot of turmoil in that experience. Because it, face it, whether we like it or not, we all have to face that we are competing with online giants as far as our experience goes. And everybody's expecting that same great experience that we have on Amazon or they would get with Google or, you know, Apple or whatever. GAFA, the the term exists because those are kind of, you know, the gold standard now as to what all of us expect when we're shopping online. So I do think that um, it's really uh, cognizant. And I think that's important that that people consider all the aspects of the shopping experience as to how easy it was. Do you get a reminder even after? I love it and I hate it when I get the reminder, when I fill up my cart and then I X out of it and then later I'll get an email saying, hey, that stuff is... And I'll be like, yeah, I totally forgot I got that. Maybe I need to go back. So I think that having that communication is really um, is really key and thinking ahead. Um, so you're not bogged up with bad inventory or returns or horrible you know, reviews online about that process. Because let's yeah. face it, we all read those. <laughs> yeah, we do, right? Yeah, Manji, I think you said something really interesting, which I actually think is like advantageous for small businesses. And I'd like to see more e-commerce brands take advantage of it is, you know, you're talking about some of the giants in retail. And the the funny thing is, is I've actually seen a lot of the giants struggle during the pandemic. You know, I shop from a lot of the, the larger retailers. We were, we were, we've been designing our house. And so furniture is usually from some of those large retailers. And I've actually seen them not pivot as quickly as some of the smaller businesses. And so, you know, this is my advice to small businesses is you don't have the overhead that large businesses have. You don't have the complex warehousing, you know, you don't have the maybe old archaic large systems for your e-commerce and your retail stores. As a small business, you can be so nimble and really care about, you know, the small amount of customers you have. Uh, and so that that's something that, you know, sparked my like ears a little bit where I was like, oh, actually, I think small businesses have done a better job of it. If anything, they should see that as a competitive advantage. Good point. Um, So talking about working through a crisis, how have some of the businesses had to pivot through COVID um, and have come out on the other side, um, successful or not? Yeah, I, you know, I have some great stories of just local businesses that I love and adore. Um, I'm from Toronto and uh, during the pandemic, I definitely needed my wine. <laughs> um, and so, you know, one of my favorite coffee shops in Toronto, it, and it's a wine bar as well, is called Happy Coffee and Wine. And they source these really unique, funky blends from all around the world uh, and really just really great roasted coffee. Uh, And so they pivoted really quickly to online. Um, Their Instagram is so fun, so cheerful during the pandemic. And they started local delivery. 
right? And so the wine bottles that you would go in and see, or you know that experience that you get, um, they provided that via via their online store, and even their deliveries were so fun. You know, they added. Uh, obviously with alcohol sales, you need to have, and you know this better than anyone, you need to have some sort of food. Uh, and so they had little chip bags that you could select from. And it was just like so delightful. And now I'm a customer for life, right? Like I'm always searching what their new blends are. Their stores open again. And so I'm always coming in and, and seeing what their what their new offerings are. And so that I think it's just like such a fun and nice story um, because easily I think that they could have been one of the many restaurants that has had to unfortunately close down. And so I think that they, they leveraged this opportunity the right way. Um, so that's definitely one of my favorite small business stories. Another larger story that I love is Lint Canada. So talk about like, you know, larger companies that have never really engaged in direct to consumer, right? You usually find these type of products um, in larger retailers or grocery. So in March, Lint contacted Shopify um, and within uh, like a week of their first contact with Shopify, they got their online store up and running. And I think that's just so powerful is a larger company, you know, more of the CPG background industry can go to a company like Shopify, quickly get their online store set up and get chocolate in the hands of customers, which I mean, I'll be honest, chocolate and wine. We all, need it. That, we right? all needed something to feel good about. I Hence the COVID-15, we might blame Lint for that, but okay. <laughs> exactly, right? And this actually, it ended up being their second largest sales opportunity of the year during Easter that they had time to set up their online store for just to, to, just to get it right in before, before Easter. So that's another good example of just, you know, a large company that pivoted really quickly. Right. And I think that this is an interesting time for everybody, no matter, regardless of size you are, small, medium, large, um, and, and you know, who is, how many people you have sitting behind the desk that everybody had to have some introspection to say, okay, who are we? Oh, who are our customers? How can we serve them in a traditional or non-traditional way? How are we going to not only survive, but thrive through this? And a lot of creativity, a lot of, you know, efficiencies were found and just a lot of the out of box thinking all of a sudden that we were all forced um, to have not only in the way that we market our products and our services, but also as consumers on both fronts, right? And I think that that has been one of the greatest things that will come out of this is that we've all tried something new in our lives and in our businesses. Now, whether they worked or not, isn't the point is that, you know, I live by the motto that we all need to be brave at sucking at something new. And so even if it didn't work. Whatever the new um, challenge and task that we took on through this crisis was, um, is that either we learned something or we made it work. And I think that both things are really valuable because a lot of the times we think about it. And I think a lot of people think about getting their business online, but don't actually pull the trigger because they think it's going to be expensive or time consuming, or they're just going to be lost in a plethora of competitors or just this virtual space that, you know, is, is, really hard um, to to navigate if you don't feel that you're an expert in it. So I really do think that this is a great time for people to try something new. Um, and you guys are definitely helping people do that. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, Angie, like I, I follow you on the gram and I saw your business pivot really quickly to provide hand sanitizer. And we saw so many Canadian businesses think about um, better, you know, masks or, or equipment. And obviously so many of the, the breweries pivoted 
So you and your team were definitely on the forefront of trying to make that happen really quickly for Canadians. So, you know, as a business owner and someone who's investing, what are some of the trends that you're seeing and how can we give some of that insight to small business owners? Yeah, you know what? Um, as a business owner and an entrepreneur for 20 years this year, um, you know, it, it, it's unbelievable all the ups and downs that we've gone through to get to where we get to have gotten to today. And it is with the help of an amazing team, a lot of innovation, you know, where we started as far as even product or, or business um, is not where we've ended up today. Um, but once a pandemic hit, of course, we were, you know, taken um, by surprise as everybody else was and really honestly thought that this would last a couple of weeks and then we'd all get back to, you know, business as usual. And so we did see other distilleries making hand sanitizer or hand cleanser on a, on a small level and they were doing great things for the community. And we thought that's great. We didn't really think that it was something that either we could do because of our scale, but also be, we didn't really think that the demand would last that long. But about 10 days into the pandemic, we got a call from a regional health authority asking us, um, because we sell them a lot of alcohol, and they said that every time um, we've asked you for something new, something innovative, something quick, you've always been nimble. And like you said before, um, as a private business, um, as you know, not a small business anymore, but a, a business that started small, our superpower was being nimble and it still is. And we have always been able to deliver. And they said, we are in great need of hand sanitizer and we are in great need of hand sanitizer that has no allergens and has no additional scents or fragrances. Um, nothing, you know, like aloe and all just three basic ingredients. We need it approved, all your I's dotted and T's crossed and we need it like yesterday. And so we thought to ourselves, okay, let us get back to you. Because in our world, as in a lot of businesses, we plan six to 12 months ahead of time as to what's on the line, what's packaging, product launches, et cetera, et cetera. And in the spring, that's a big time for us. We had three massive product launches um, happening in North America that were supposed to happen at the end of March and beginning of April. I mean, we needed to you know, build the product. And very few times as an entrepreneur are you given that opportunity to help your community as much as we were given that day. And so it really was a no-brainer for us to say, there are definitely are a lot of sacrifices um, that we will have to make to say yes to this because we will have to pause three of our distillery lines um, for making vodka and gin and whiskey, etc. Um, and shelves will run dry, but that's a sacrifice we're willing to make. We have to collect all these new ingredients. We only have the alcohol, but the other two things um, in, in, in hand sanitizer, bottles, labels, health approvals, like the whole list of things we'd have to do. The team said, yes, we want to help. And we are at a scale that we can help. And I think that uh, it is not only our duty, but we all um, really do want to help our neighbors. And so within eight days, I work a lot, but I've never worked as much as I worked um, during that week. And so, yeah, we thought we'd make a million bottles and um, in about three weeks, and we would kind of get back to making alcohol. Well, in three weeks, we did get back to making alcohol because uh, the shelves were running dry and we couldn't sacrifice our completely our 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 day to day business. But we set up new facilities for hand sanitizer. So Minas Hand Sanitizer has made thirteen million bottles and counting in the last six and a half months. Still continues to make it. Um, where we're just really happy that we could be part of a solution to a problem that we're all facing together. But the pivot was unbelievably quick. A lot of big decisions had to be made really quickly. A lot of people ask me, so how do you make good decisions when you're under pressure like that? 
<laughs> There's no secret sauce to that one. Good decisions are made from experience. And how do you get experience? From making bad decisions. And so definitely um, when this is all over, you know, I will write uh, definitely a book about all the bad decisions that we made along the way, but we quickly discovered they were not the right decisions. And so we were able to even move with that. And you do that with the help of a team, with suppliers. I have never asked for help as much as I have in the last six months. From, you know, people that I knew, people that I didn't know. Oh, that's so inspiring. Okay, one last question for you because, you know, we have over 65,000 merchants, you know, across Canada. That number is increasing every single day as everyone is trying to get online. And, you know, we're trying our best to support small businesses. We have a capital loans program where people can get access to money. But I speak to, you know e-commerce and non-e-commerce small businesses all the time through my angel investing. And they're always asking, what kind of things should I think about as I'm raising in this climate? Because, you know, we talked about earlier, you don't really know exactly what the future is going to look like. And so what are some of the things that you're looking for as you are investing in companies? You know what? I have always looked, and even more so now, I'm looking to invest in people, in entrepreneurs, because the widget that you make today might not necessarily sell tomorrow, or it might. Like, we don't know as investors, we're not pundits by any means, right? Sure, we have a lot of, you know, um, experience and backgrounds and ideas and opinions as to what we think is going to make it or not. But we are right as many times as we are wrong. But what we are betting on essentially is you as an entrepreneur. Will you be able to weather the storm? Will you be able to pick up the pieces and move on and keep going? Will you be able to be coachable and mentorable? But will I be able to trust you also with, let's face it, my money, my reputation, um, my advice, um, but also the connections that I'm, and networks that I'm bringing you? Um, so it is, it is more about you as an individual. And I think that you have to bring you to the table first before you bring the product or service. My advice is always just keep going, find your way, keep passionate about it, but understand that success isn't overnight. I've been at this for 20 years. And so a lot of people see my story and think, oh, wow, she's, you know, young and this and that. Well, I started super young too, right? Um, I started at 19. So, um, you know, lots of days I feel like I'm 70, not just turned 40 <laughs> a couple days ago kind of thing. So well, thank you so much for uh, answering that question because I think, you know, that's exactly what uh, a lot of small businesses need that right now. They need the reminder to be optimistic and resilient. Um, and investors like you are really investing in that entrepreneur, not just what the, the product they're selling right now or the solution that they have for the moment in time. Well, thanks, Arthi. Take care. Um, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today, Arthi. Some really valuable tips and advice um, in today's podcast. Join us next week for a new exciting guest. Take care and stay safe.